Why is it that the Ukraine conflict just isn't going the way that the United States and the collective West want it to go? Why isn't this like post-Soviet Union, 1990 plus uh, Gulf War situation, Yugoslavia situation, Libya in the 21st century, Iraq, Afghanistan? Why isn't it like this? Why isn't the United States just trampling all of other countries? Why isn't it able to do what it was able to do before? And I'll tell you, the one of the biggest reason is that the multipolar world is here, that Russia and China are legitimate world leaders now, that these countries don't have to take the abuse like they once did. And it's very hard for the United States to acknowledge this. It's very hard for the U.S.-led collective West, the neocons, to acknowledge that, in fact, they aren't as powerful as they once were, that they are losing ground that they are making huge decline, that they're making huge steps toward decline, that their world order is not as powerful as it once was. And this is not only seen in Ukraine, but it's seen in the growth of the Russia-China partnership. But you know what? They say the first stage of grief is denial. And the neocons are in denial. The neocons are in denial that Russia-China ties, Mike Pompeo is not in denial. <laughs> Mike Pompeo says this is a strategic mistake. And while I don't agree with Mike Pompeo on the level of politics, I will say that downplaying China-Russia ties certainly isn't conforming to reality. And so that's what Biden is doing. And the neocons have a hard time with this. They have a hard time acknowledging reality. And so the U.S. president, right, in Can- he was recently in a call with Canada. And he downplays Russia-China ties there, saying that he praised Western links calling relations between Moscow and Beijing vastly exaggerated. So in a press conference with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, mind you, he called Canada China during this meeting, another hilarious gaffe. Uh, Biden was in this conference and he made a, he, this press conference and he made a remark about China. And he said, so the global community is paying too much attention to cooperation between China and Russia, U.S. President Joe Biden said on Friday. His comments came several days after the Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin landmark three-day visit in Russia. Speaking at the joint press conference with Justin Trudeau, Biden was asked to comment on China's efforts to deepen economic ties with Russia. The president replied that Western countries have significantly expanded our alliances. I haven't seen that happen with Russia, China, or anybody else in the world. Biden went on to say that he was met, has met with 80% of world leaders since being sworn into office. We're the ones expanding alliances. The opposition is not. We're in a situation in the United States where NATO is stronger. We're all together. The G7, the Quad, security agreement with uh, the security agreement with Russia, with, uh, sorry, with security agreement between Australia, India, Japan, and the US, and ASEAN, Association of Southeast Asian, Southeast Asian Nations, Japan, and Korea, Biden said. So the president stated that he does not take China and Russia lightly, but we vastly exaggerate their ties. I've been hearing now for the past three months that China is about to provide significant weapons to Russia, and they're going to. They haven't yet. Doesn't mean they won't, but they haven't yet. So, of course, these are all different things, right? So Joe Biden is triggered here. I mean, he's often triggered. You heard him in the State of the Union address address that he had. Name me one leader that will trade places with Xi Jinping. Name me one, right? He was yelling at the top of his lungs because he was triggered. It was very random, by the way. But 
that's neither here nor there. The point here is that look at what he's saying. He's saying that no, the United States is doing so much good. The United States is rallying all of its allies. It's making huge alliances. 80% of the world leaders I've spoken to. Look at NATO. We're all united. Look at the quad. Hmm. Well, this is very interesting because what he's trying to say here <laughs> is that China and Russia are weak, right? That their ties are weak. Their diplomacy is weak. And nothing could be further from the truth. Joe Biden literally just watched as China brokered peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. That's what China just did. When has the United States done something like that, right? When has the United States really brought countries together? It brought the EU together toward its demise under its thumb. That's not diplomacy. That's not strengthening alliances. The EU is not an alliance with the United States. The EU is in an abusive partnership. The Quad, the same thing. The Quad, most of those countries, Japan, Australia, right? These countries, well, they talk a big game about decoupling with China and following the United States. They're going to have a hard time doing that because Australia is heavily dependent on both exports and imports on China being its biggest trading partner on both ends. Japan, very uh, integrated with China economically as well, needs China in the economic sense. The ASEAN countries, the Southeast Asian nation countries, they're all in a major trade agreement. They're in a major free trade agreement uh, called the R. You know the R was the RACP, huge trade agreement. China is the economic powerhouse in that region. It's actually the one that's brought countries that don't even like China politically, brought them into the fold. They're all, most of them, that's their biggest trading partner. And so this is what you call denial. Trying to deny something that's true with lies. Because these are not the G7, the Quad, the EU, NATO. They're not alliances with the United States. That's subsur They're subservient to the United States. They're servants of the United States. That's not the same thing. And so while he acknowledged that actually China isn't giving weapons to Russia for Ukraine, which is hilarious because that's been the narrative for like a month and a half now, all we've heard, he's also acknowledged, he's also trying to make the same point with that so-called factual, counterfactual, that Russia and China ties are not that great. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The power of the Siberia pipeline is literally the crown jewel of energy trade. Russia and China are going to surpass the $200 billion trade volume year on year this year, likely. And the amount of cooperation that Russia and China are conducting at all levels is by far more impressive than any relationship the United States has with any country, including the UK in their so-called special relationship. They don't have a power of Siberia pipeline, the UK and the United States. They don't have complementary economies. Remember, Russia and China have complementary economies. Their economies are kind of like a puzzle. They fit together. They're like a puzzle and they fit together. Russia has massive energy resources. China has massive commodity and manufacturing resources. Guess what that leads to? That leads to incredible complementary things. 
That leads to the fact that China can help Russia's industry. Russia can help China's industry. China can help Russia's technology sector. Russia can help ensure uh, food security for China. And they both, because they're neighbors, have great interest in building cultural ties. They also have great interest in fighting off a common external enemy, a common external foe. And they won't even call the United States and, and NATO countries enemies. What they would call them, though, is external problems, external threats. That's what they are. So they have all the reason to collaborate on countering color revolutions, economic sanctions. So to downplay this is just denial. That's what Joe Biden is participating in. And so Moscow and Beijing pledged deepen relations in their comprehensive and strategic partnership, entering into a new era while urging the U.S. to stop undermining international regional security or to maintain its own unilateral military superiority. So Russia and China, no matter how much Biden wants to downplay their partnership, it's incredibly robust, and it's only going to become more impressive. And they are talking about military cooperation, too. And they also come together for joint exercises bilaterally, multilaterally. You had the exercises recently with South Africa. You have uh, major developments between Russia and China, and it's growing by the year, not just in trade volume, but in all respective fields. And this meeting between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin only builds on that momentum. And so I think the biggest point here is that Joe Biden is in denial. The neocons are in denial about just how important this development is. Not everyone's in denial. Certainly you have forces like Mike Pompeo who would love to see China and Russia divided, who would love to make that the priority of U.S. foreign policy. But guess what? The United States in the neocon foreign policy establishment, they want to take on both at the same time because they think that's the most efficient way to undermine both. But it's only bringing them closer together. And it's not like Russia and China needed more reasons to come together, but the United States is in the collective West are providing pretty big ones, right? But not, but guess what? Joe Biden and the neocons and the foreign policy establishment, I mean, they don't make up the whole U.S. government. They don't make the whole U.S. apparatus. And this apparatus, everyone, this apparatus is big. It's it, It's got other elements, like Congress, for example, like the Secretary of Treasury, for example, in the Biden administration. And I want to play you the admission of the failures of U.S. foreign policy against the multipolar world and Steny Hoyer, who is a congressman, who is uh, uh, he's on the Appropriations Committee. He is going to admit that this multipolar world is here and that it is a threat. So Joe Biden's trying to downplay publicly. He wants to look like a big man, right? He wants to look, it's election season. So he's got to look like I've done so much. Pound my chest. Look at me. I have brought the world together and we have made so many friends and we're doing so good and we're isolating Russia and all this nonsense. Well, watch Janet Yellen and then Steny Hoyer say kind of the exact opposite. They're voicing real concerns. And Janet Yellen here is talking about sanctions on Iran. They're ending. It's this is how this is how the House, the Biden administration, the neocons, this is how they talk about things. They'll literally, this is how lustful for war. In a time where the United States is an economic basket case, they're talking about Iran sanctions at the end 
of a major budgetary meeting. So it's a it's a hearing. So let, let hear what they have to say. It's only a couple minutes. Take actions to do so. Uh, do, now on that, with with all due respect, and that do you do you really think that Iran um, does feel the type of economic pressure that would be necessary to force the regime to change their policies? Uh, I I don't get that sense. To be very honest with you, that they feel that pressure at the level that, that it would actually change their behavior significantly. What, what so so what do you think? Um, or some examples that that is happening in your opinion? And if we could be doing better, uh, what are what are ways that we could increase the enforcement of our sanctions? So my sense is that our sanctions on Iran have created a real economic crisis in the country. And Iran is greatly suffering economically because of the sanctions. I would say the same thing is true of North Korea. On the other hand, if you ask, has that um, forced a change in behavior? Um, the answer is much less than we would ideally like. So, okay, so let's close with that. What what do you think would be the way to uh, increase that, um, the enforcement on that or, or be more forceful to get the, the result that we would want? You know, we're constantly looking for ways to broaden the sanctions, to um, enable them to better accomplish our objectives. But sometimes a regime is so committed to a program that even when the population of that country is suffering immensely because of sanctions we've imposed, they continue to prioritize activities that um, are ones that we're trying to stop. And so my sense is that we need a broader toolkit and do have a broader toolkit uh, to use, you know, sanctions can play a role in changing behavior, but they may not be sufficient. In I, I agree with you on that, and and I and I think it's troublesome that that that's a reality that we're that we're seeing here. So, so there you have it. I mean, if you thought sanctions on Russia were going to be successful, they never were going to be because they're not even successful on Iran, whose population has suffered. They, they admit this. So this is the admission here, the neocon foreign policy agenda. You see the admission. Yeah, sanctions do hurt the DPRK. They hurt Iran. They didn't say Russia, though. You notice that. They didn't say Russia because Russia has successfully been able to evade a lot of the most damaging effects of sanctions. But now they're also saying it's not enough. They already admit that the economic war is not enough, but they're not going to say why. That all Janet Yellen will say here is that Iran has been able to evade sanctions because they're so committed to a particular program, right? That's what's funny, a particular program. What do you think that program is? One part of that program is multipolarity, and you're going to hear Steny Hoyer, who uh, this gentleman is going to pass it to, who's going to explain uh, the real deal. Like, what's, what's wrong with this picture? What is the reality of the global situation? Here we go. So I, I do encourage Treasury to continue to look for the, the broader opportunities, as you mentioned, and and uh, be, be forceful on those approaches. Oh, by the way, continue to starve people, continue to impose sanctions. You heard Janet Yellen and uh, this gentleman leading the hearing that 
uh, they need to increase the sanctions and they need to find more ways to starve Iranians. Uh, uh, you know, uh, just just to throw that in there. Thank you. Danny, closing word. I think all of us uh, uh, believe that we want to see America grow, be successful, and be preeminent. Uh, the bipolar world or the multipolar world uh, is, is a reality. We used to the bipolar world, the multipolar world is a reality. This is Steny Hoyer. He is a longtime neocon. Steny Hoyer has never has never seen a war he doesn't like. Steny Hoyer is a Democrat from Maryland. He is in the U.S. He's been in the House for many years now. He is one of the longtime entrenched for neocon uh, political blob in the United States. And you heard him say, what did he just say there? He said, the multipolar world is a reality. And the United States wants to be preeminent. So unlike Joe Biden, Steny Hoyer is saying and acknowledging what the real deal here is and that these Iranian sanctions, all sanctions are about curbing it because countries like Iran are part of that multipolar world. See, you got to be we have to be able to connect the dots because they're not going to tell us the whole story. But you had a pretty big admission right here. Let's continue to have the Soviets and ourselves. Uh, and that was a bipolar world. It's now obvious that uh, a number of nations uh, have uh, increased their economic uh, opportunity abilities, particularly China. Uh, so the issue is, uh, in my opinion, Mr. Chairman, whether we're going to continue to invest in America, in basic research, in manufacturing, I've had a Make It in America agenda for 13 years. This is all about making it in America, not only in terms of making it physically, but making it uh, in success terms. So I'm hopeful, Mr. What is he even talking about? <laughs> you see how he's trying to evade? So again, while Steny Hoyer can acknowledge that the multipolar world is here, Steny Hoyer does not want to look like the kind of Democrat that he's been, which is a voting for a rock war Democrat, never seeing a war that he didn't like Democrat. He's even calling out China already and no one asking about China. Janie Yellen was talking about Iran, but yeah, here comes Steny Hoyer talking about China and the multipolar world as being a threat. And now he's saying, oh, we need to invest in America. Well, kind of hard to do that, Mr. Hoyer, when you keep on signing off on these massive military budgets and supporting all of the most rabid imperialistic ventures of the United States ever around the world. Kind of hard to invest in the United States when that's going on. Chairman, that we can work together, as I said at the beginning, uh, to achieve the objective that I think we all share, uh, that uh, America continues to be the greatest and best nation on earth <laughs> and uh, plays a significant role in keeping a world, uh, if not at peace, at least at bay. Yeah. At uh, well stated. At bay. Did you hear what Steny Hoyer just said? So this is this is the kind of leadership. If you're tuning in and you're from somewhere else in the world outside of the United States, I, I, I got to salute you because this is the kind of leadership that Steny Hoyer exemplifies. This neocon, rabid, bloodlust, warmongering leadership. That's what this is. And they're admitting. So while Biden can't admit 
Joe Biden can't admit that Russia and China ties are in fact a threat, right? That they're in fact a threat to the United States and everything that the United States stands for. You will get folks like Steny Hoyer who will say it outright. Yeah, we have a multipolar world and that multipolar world is a threat to the United States being the best country in the world and to be preeminent. And we need to find ways. We all agree on that. You heard him. We all agree that that's what we need to do. We need to continue to find ways to put the economic pressure to bear with the caveat that oh, maybe we should be investing in the United States because this is a public hearing after all. And they may, you know, the, the, the masses may hear me say this too loud that I'm just all about war. But you heard what he said at the end. We all agree that our primary objective is to keep the United States preeminent and supposedly the best country in the world. And if you can't wage peace, this was so just stunning to hear. If we cannot be the peacemakers, then we can keep the world at bay. Have you ever heard of anyone use the, the, the words at bay when they're thinking about peace? No, that's a very offensive provocative action to keep something at bay. You are actively doing something. You're not avoiding something. No, you are actively putting your hand, your thumb, your foot down to keep it at bay. That's what the United States has been doing. That's what the collective West has been doing that follows the U.S.'s lead. It has been keeping the world at bay. At bay from what? At bay from prosperity. At bay from stability. At bay from independent sovereign development at bay from being able to do things like alleviate poverty, like uh, address malnutrition and address uh, all the other maladies, chronic disease and and all the other maladies of uh, underdevelopment and poverty. That's what the United States has kept at bay, right? That's That's how they've kept the world at bay. And now you have China and Russia coming in saying, "Mm, well, we're interested in raising the standards of living of our people. We're interested in global stability. We're not interested in military conflicts. Damn damn well forced Russia into one. But Russia nor China are interested in waging unilateral offensive military conflicts. And so that's a huge threat. And Steny Hoyer admits it. Admits that the multipolar world, China, Russia, Iran, and we can go on and on and on, right? Venezuela, Cuba and Latin America, Brazil, we can go on and on and on of the countries that participate in this. Even South Africa and countries on the African continent are now saying, mm, well, actually, Russia and China are much better, more friendlier partners. And there's been kind of a renaissance of calling for you protests all across West Africa, North Africa, Central Africa, saying, mm, we actually don't like this underdevelopment thing. And we'll carry the Russian flag and say, well, they're better partners than the United States. These governments in Africa are rejecting sanctions. All across the Middle East now, Saudi Arabia partnering now, not only with Iran, but saying we're going to reestablish ties with Syria. These are huge developments and they're all happening outside of the U.S. orbit. So, yeah, guess what, Steny Hoyer? Yeah, Russia-China ties are indeed a threat. Joe Biden's trying to gaslight everyone, saying, eh, it's not that big of a deal. It's a small thing. Uh, I've done so much more. And Steny Hoyer's over in a congressional hearing about the U.S. budget, saying the multipolar world actually is a threat, Mr. President. 
The United States needs to be preeminent. It needs to keep the world at bay. This is how the neocons talk. They talk about this in public. They talk about this in public. They talk about it like this in front of everyone's eyes. You just have to catch it. And I want to thank um, the gentleman uh, miss, uh, 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 who sent me, you know, I have a Patreon subscriber who sent me that link, actually, um, because it's hard to follow all of these things. Uh, I, I don't consider uh, watching uh, congressional hearings of any kind to be very entertaining, right? I don't, house appropriations, budget, all that stuff, you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of investment in war, no real investment in the people. You're going to get a lot of just neocon hellscape kind of discourse and narratives. It's just, it's just not usually worth watching. So thank you to the Patreon subscriber who sent me that because uh, that's, that's what is so great about the Patreon community, the YouTube community here. I know we have a new member. And I'm going to shout you out at the end. Um, and as well as the Substack community is that it's, it's interactive. It's about, it's not just about contributing to this channel, but it's about also, you know, uh, uh, being part of this experience. And, and you all have been. So, you know, Joe Biden's trying to gaslight, trying to deny because he's in a state of grief. I mean, maybe for his own state of mind. But uh, really, the neocons are in a state of grief over their uh, dwindling hegemony. And Steny Hoyer, Janet Yellen, they're saying, uh, sanctions aren't really working. What are we going to do? We got to fight the multipolar world. We got to do what we can. We all agree on this. And Joe Biden does too. He's just trying to gaslight, pump his chest for the 2024 elections because he's going to need a lot of help given that his approval rating is really just at rock bottom at the moment, <laughs> unsurprisingly, at rock bottom. So that's the deal. That's what's happening. There is a multipolar world. It is a threat to the U.S.'s hegemony. It is. It's not because they want it to be a threat. It's just that the United States can't operate within it. The collective West, the neocons, they can't. Because that means you have to cooperate. That means you have to treat others as equals. That means you have to be interested not just in yourself, but in the prosperity of others. That means you have to come together around goals that you may not necessarily share right now. Because guess what? The United States doesn't care about peace. It doesn't care about climate. It doesn't care about uh, poverty or underdevelopment or anything like that. It doesn't care about what human beings kind of care about. It doesn't care about the well-being of people. It cares about how it can satisfy those profits, those interests of the ruling elite. That's all it cares about at the top, the government, not, not ordinary people. That's what the United States government, that's what its neocon foreign policy establishment cares about. And that's why they are sounding the alarm. They are triggered. They are just going absolutely mad over the fact that this multipolar world is here. Russia and China are leading it, but the whole world is watching and much of it is riding on that train, has gotten on that train, and they're not coming off. No matter what, the United States, the collective West, the neocons, no matter what they attempt to do.